Good morning, everybody. <laughs> for, uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. So glad that you're here. Um, I wanted just to show you, this is our senior pastor's Bible. He's not preaching today. I am, so obviously I'm the lightweight. He's the heavyweight. Um, but we'll have a good time anyway. Um, super excited that uh, Kenny and Megan are here today as candidates for the youth and children's pastor. They're right back there. So after service, go ahead and make themselves as uncomfortable as you possibly can and uh, ask them all kinds of really uh, direct questions and, and tell them about the weirdness of being here on the east side of King County and all of that kind of stuff. They're from, uh, from eastern Washington, although Megan was originally from, from Buckley, but so glad they're here. We, we brought out the special weather for them just yesterday, and we did a great job <laughs> with that. Anyway, um, let's get to the word. Father, I thank you for the great pr privilege of uh, sharing your word I pray that you help me to speak clearly. I pray that you give me uh, wisdom and grace, Lord, to impart your word with strength that it would build faith in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, I'm teaching on the book of Galatians, and actually I don't need my Bible right here because I have it all written down. Um, and I wanted to explain the ridiculous name of this of this series, let's be less stupider than them, the Galatians. And I wrote it particularly that way to let you know that, yes, we can definitely be every bit as stupid as they were and are regularly, probably. Um, I know that I am. And Galatians is a, is a I'm not going to teach the entire book today, by the way, just in case you're worried about that. Um, but uh, the Galatians is, is, the, um, is the first place that, that uh, Paul went on his mission trip. It, was, uh, it is the, a really confrontational book. You know, it, it parallels Ephesians, which talks about being saved by faith through grace. Um, but in Ephesians, it's, it's like a nurturing, yay, wonderful. Uh, Galatians is, dude, you blew it. You messed up, here it was, and you walked all over it. And so it's, it's quite confrontational, and, and, um, but there is so much that uh, is rich and helpful and uh, uh, really applicable to us today as well. So let's jump into this a little bit. Um, let's go to the next slide. So the Galatians were, um, they were not... They were not Jews. They weren't. Uh, they they weren't from synagogue. They were they were people that were descendants from the you know the barbaric tribes of of up north, and they came down and uh, lived in the central area of Turkey. They brought all of the worship of pagan gods and so forth. That was their lifestyle. That was what they were they were um, into. You know that was their religion, and they were the fruit of Paul's first mission trip. When he departed from Antioch, and the and the and the uh, 
the people there in that church sent them off that way. And these are, these are the churches. It's not like the church at Ephesus or the church at Philippi or the church at Colossae. It was a, a whole region was the Galatians, and these are four of the cities that, that made up the churches of Galatians. And, uh, and a lot of stuff happened. Uh, it kind of follows up on what uh, Pastor Trey was talking about last week from the, from the book of Acts. You know, what, this is where all that stuff was taking place. So let's jump into... Uh, the first verse of Galatians on the next slide. So, um, it, it says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle, and right off the bat, you know, it's, it's like he, he's confronting them with the fact that I am an apostle. Okay, now back in that back in that time, there was Christianity was brand new, obviously, and so people were like, "Who's the authority here? Where's all this coming from? Who says who's who's determining what is doctrine and who's not doctrine? What is not doctrine?" And and uh, there was there were people, and we'll get to this a little bit later in this message. There were people that were going down, going around, that were trying to discredit what Paul was saying and what he was doing. They were they were undermining the work that he was doing. They said, "Now who?" is this Paul guy? Last we heard, he was killing Christians, and so now he's the leader of this great movement and so forth. You know, who, who made him an apostle? If you guys remember, there's, there's, there's stuff that goes along with being an apostle, and Paul's aware of all of this undermining that's going on, and so he comes in right away and says, hey, look, I'm, an, I'm Paul the apostle, okay? And in case you're looking for my credentials, I didn't become an apostle by some people choosing me to be an apostle, I didn't get anointed by Peter or somebody like that to be called an apostle, but my, my anointing, my appointment is by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. He just strictly sticks to the reality of my relationship and my calling is from Christ and I don't need anything more than that. And there's an important application for us as well. So let me, let me, uh, let's take a look real quickly at the apostles here. As Jesus was uh, departing the earth, he, he, was, he said this to the, uh, to the apostles, okay, the disciples. And he said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. This is just right before he was going. And now I'll, spend, I'll send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. All right, let's go to the next slide. Oh, my, that's terrible. I can't even read that. (laughs) All right, let me read it for you. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. Okay, so then prior to that happening... They're there in the upper room, okay, waiting, praying, waiting on the Holy Spirit to be sent. But Peter, and if you know about Peter, he's a bit impulsive. You know, he's the guy that hacked off the guy's ear in the garden and all those kinds of things. Just impulsive. You know, Peter says, uh, Peter stands up and says, therefore, it is necessary that, that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, Beginning with the baptism of John until the days that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. 
So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who also was called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all people, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry, an apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, which in this day and age is like flipping a coin. Let's flip a coin here, Lord, and you tell us your choice, all right? Anybody ever been involved in gambling or lottery or football, things like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to give the winnings to you. I just, I just need you to guide me right now. And you, oh, it's the Lord. And then you lose. Oh, well. Anyway, and they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. And that's Acts chapter 1, verse 21 to 26. Uh, the very next chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were all sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Peter missed it by four verses, (laughs) when to move and choose the apostle, and when the Holy Spirit arose, okay? So the people undermining Paul were like going, I heard there's a guy named Matthias that got, and so who's this Paul guy anyway? I mean, was he, you know? But if you scour through the rest of the, uh, the New Testament, you'll find that that right there is the last you ever hear of Matthias, okay? I don't think that's by coincidence. I think it was a place for, for Paul to, um, to enter into. And so, so um, it is by the Holy Spirit that we find our calling. It is by the Holy Spirit that we find our appointment in this world. It is not by men nor by groups of men that choose that to happen. And Paul was making that really clear to the Galatians right from the very beginning. Let's look at the next slide and hope it's better than this one. All right, a little bit better. So Paul's election, his credentials, and his validation were through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So his radical salvation, which we know about on the road to Damascus, and then the intense time of reflecting, which happened right away, but then he went into Arabia where he, he got a whole bunch more time where he reviewed the scripture, and, and it, it's later in, even in this, uh, this book, Galatians, where it talks about his intense time of, of really studying, knowing the word of God, understanding what his calling was, and so forth, that this took place. And then following all of that, the fruit began in his ministry uh, to happen. And I wanted to talk about, um, just, for, just for a moment, go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, this, is, this, is Paul's, this is Paul's testimony. He says, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all of our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom, and that is how we have conducted ourselves before the world, and especially towards you. I think that is such a a powerful statement of who he is, and I think it is such a model for us to have that desire and have that be a mission of what our lives 
you know, are about and uh, strive to, to work towards in a faith-oriented way as opposed to a, a works-oriented way. And so following after that, this is the one true approach for all validation in our lives. And I work with, uh, I work with teenagers an awful lot, and I see them struggling so hard to find validation for themselves. I had a young man this last week who got, he got injured, and then he got sick, and he was been, he's been working out, you know, going to a gym and really building his muscles. I guess, you know, I've inspired him so incredibly. <laughs> Why was that funny? No. Um, no, anyway, and he's put on 40 pounds of muscle. You know, he was, uh, he was 120 pounds. Now he weighs 160 pounds, all muscles. And he was just devastated this week because he got sick, he got injured, and, uh, and he lost seven pounds. And he said, and I went in and I looked in the mirror at the gym and I got sick to my stomach. I just hated the look of the person that I saw looking back at me. And it was like, it was, you know, it was just reminded me that there's nothing external we can do to bring about internal peace and joy. And I said that to him, and he said, I've, I've never thought about it that way before, you know. I've never even, and he, he was just befuddled with that concept, you know. He, he could not grasp it. And I, the same thing happens with grades. I have kids that are cutting themselves because they get a B plus, you know, all A's and a B plus, and they're cutting themselves to numb themselves from the the incredible emotions that they feel of what a failure that they're going to be, and they see their lives all uh, dependent upon their their grades and their and their SAT scores and what college that they can get into. And if I don't do this, then then I'm not going to be able to get into the college that I, and then I'm not going to get into the major that I want, and then I'm not going to be able to get the job that I want, and then I'm not going to have the kind of finances that I want, and then I'm not going to have the kind of family that I want. And it's like there's such desperation to be validated, to be credentialed, and so forth, you know. But it's the inner man where we find our credentials. And then I have some people that are, are working in, in, uh, in, in tech, and they're like, they're, they're so nervous and anxious about the 360 degree, you know, uh, uh, evaluations of themselves, you know, they have to get along with their, their cohort, they have to get along with their, their supervisor, they have to have all good, uh, what's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, can you, can you think of the word, what is it that people do when they're evaluating them, Michael, can, can you tell me what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? Reviews, yeah, they have to get, duh, they have to get, we can be stupider than them, huh? Uh, but, they, but their conscience every day of their review and how they get along, and they come in every week, I had a fight with this person, my senior engineer, and I was trying to show him this, and the senior engineer didn't like it, and, and I, I, I tried to show him that what he was doing wasn't the way that it should go, and I don't know what this is going to do, because now my promotion is at risk, and it takes me a whole year to be able to do that, and, and it's like, wow, let's find some peace. And of course, I understand competition and all of those kinds of things, but yet when, when we can live like this with, with God's peace, with God's joy, with God's presence in our life as our validation, 
we can live in the pressures of this world and not be consumed by it, okay? And I think that's the huge lesson that Galatians is trying to, trying to teach us. So what happened with the, uh, let's go to the next slide. So, okay, so the, the, uh, the, next, the next verse, to the churches of Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present, this present evil age, according to the will of God our, and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Okay, so this is, this is as brief as Paul gets in his introduction to the churches, not you know, uh, in all of the other ones, he's saying how much I've heard about your great love for God and for each other. And he goes on and on saying wonderful, kind things about him, but not the Galatians. This is his introduction to it. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Then he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. How would that grab you? It's like, I am so amazed that you have left Jesus so quickly. How would that sit with you? You know, where it's like, you call yourself a Christian. I'm so, I'm astonished. I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God and called, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that, that pretends to be the good news. Okay. All right, so right away he's into his confrontation, and this is what, what verse are we at here? Verse number six. Verse number six, and he's already really hitting them very hard. It's like, you've walked away from Christ. You've walked away from Jesus. What's the deal? I told you this was going to happen, and yet this is what you've done. All right, let's go to the next slide. And then it says, and this is the amplified version, but, I, but it says it really, really well. I know the old joke where you yell at this point, but I'm not going to, which is, you've turned away to a different gospel, and then it goes to this verse here in verse 7, which is really not another gospel, but there are obviously some, some people masquerading as teachers who are disturbing and confusing you with a misleading, counterfeit teaching, and want to distort the gospel of Christ, twisting it into something which it absolutely is not, okay? And then verse number 8, but even if we Or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you. He is to be accursed. Okay. These are really, really strong words that he is saying. It's like anybody is adding anything to what you've already been told about the gospel and about giving your heart and following after the Lord by faith in his grace. Let them be accursed. Okay. Not not, you know, you need to understand where these people have come from. They came from Southwest Seminary, and they have some confusion about the Trinity, and they have some confusion about circumcision. They have some confusion about, no, he's, he's cursing them. He's putting a curse on them. As we have said before, verse number nine, as we have said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. So it's a really, really strong statement Paul is making towards these people that have, uh, have said something different than what Paul had spoken to them and for those who are following him at the same time. All right, let's go to the next slide. So I'm flipping back a little bit. This is when Paul... Uh, 
Paul and Barnabas who were sent there to the Galatians to, to speak to, to, to do the work of the, of the ministry for the first time. And so they're going into this area. And uh, this is what, uh, a little bit of what um, Trey talked about last week. But Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, this is after they were speaking to the Jews in the, in the synagogue. And it says, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you as a light into the, to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And all who had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. And this whole region is Galatia that this happened. So they were rejoicing, they were excited, they were being saved. They were finding out that the, the pagan gods that they had worshipped and so forth, now they're finding about the one true God and they're seeing the power of his spirit and they're seeing people being saved and they're pe- seeing people be healed. They're seeing people raised from the dead. They're seeing in- incredible things that are taking place and they're rejoicing. They're so excited that this, that this has happened and it's for them, okay? So that's who these guys were in the beginning. Let's go to the next slide. The Judaizers were these people, that's the, the word they used for them. The Judaizers were these people that had some form of Christianity, and, but then they were adding things to the message of faith, the me- message of grace uh, through Jesus that you would receive salvation. Uh, and they were adding things to it, as, as Trey was talking about last week from Acts. And they were trying to, to undo what Paul had done because they were... They were missing the power that came with being the leaders of the people. And so um, they, were, they would come along and they would be like, you know, Paul, I'm not sure what his authority is, but, uh, you know, he's saying, he's saying, you just got to believe in Jesus and give your heart to him and follow after him and you'll be saved. You know, does, does that seem realistic? I mean, come on. Can, can you really think it's just that simple. I mean, you know how easy it is to sin, right? I mean, you, you need to ask forgiveness every day, right? I mean, come on. So there's more to it, really being a Christian, really living for God than just following after Christ and believing in him and thanking him for his salvation. So we wanted to give you the whole story. What else you need to do, number one, uh, there's, there's circumcision that has to happen with the men that shows the covenant that is with God. That's part of it. And then there's all these number of other rules that you need to follow as well to really be a Christian. And we'll help you with that as you go. You know, you just come and listen, and, and we'll take you there where you need to, to get your life right, okay? And that's, it's, it's probably, it probably seems like so foreign and so far away because... We don't have any Judaizers coming around our church and so forth, but um, it, what, what they're teaching is legalism, and uh, I don't know many churches that don't have some form of legalism going on, okay? And that's why I say, let's try to be less stupider than them, uh, because it's easy to get into it. Let's go to the next slide. Boy, did I do a lousy job making these slides. I apologize for that. So... 
so legalism is adding anything to faith in order to attain salvation. And that's salvation of the spirit, which is pneuma. And that's that thing that happens, you know, where it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And all things have become new, spiritually speaking. Okay. If anybody noticed when you got saved, when you gave your heart to Christ, your body didn't change, right? Did it? No. And if... And it also does not include the soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So after you get saved, spiritually saved, then there's the salvation of your soul, which is talked about in Philippians quite a bit, and in Romans chapter 12, where it talks about renewing of the mind. But the salvation of the soul is also done by faith, trusting in his word and trusting in his spirit and the grace of God to do this work in us as we work hand in hand with him. I, I remember the lesson that Ryan taught from Philippians that, that it's, it's a teamwork thing, the salvation of the soul. We, us responding to God's spirit and God's word working in us, you know, but having that intent. So, so it is adding, legalism is adding anything to faith in order to attain salvation, whether it's the salvation to, you're not really saved until you become a member of the church. You're not really saved until you go through membership. You're not really saved until you can have a lot of prayer in your life. You're not really saved unless you have a commitment to read the word of God on a daily basis. You're not really saved until, you, until you're a giver, you know, because if God touched your life, you're given, and so sometimes the flesh will take over. So you need to be in a, in a program where you are giving. Unless you really believe, you know, unless you do all of these things, you're not really saved, you know. And, and I was there at one time. You, I, you listen to that kind of music and you call yourself a Christian? Oh, my God. That's, that's how I was. I didn't even listen to Christian rock <laughs> back in the day because it was too carnal, and if you were really spiritual, you would not be carnal in that way. And that's, that's legalism, you know. And so, um, you know, human efforts to earn brownie points with God is, is legalism as well. And as Trey quoted last week, Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you can jump through all kinds of hoop, and if it's not via faith, if it's not driven by faith, you're, it's, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It's not real. It's not helping. So why do people, including myself, fall for legalism? It's because of sin. Uh, distraction in the world, the business of this world, our flesh, our sense of self-sufficiency leads us to be distant from God. And so it, it, because of the alienation, the loneliness and shame that we have of that, uh, we try to do good things and doing good things is only like a salve. It, it comforts us a little bit, but it changes nothing, okay? And that's why a lot of people, like, you know, even like in mafia shows and stuff, you see the mafia people going to church, going to mass on, on killing people Saturday night and going to mass on Sunday morning to, to cover for that. It's, it's, it's a salve, but it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't change anything, Okay. So, now, I'm not in any way saying any of those things are wrong or any bad or not good or anything, but we do them as a result of our connection, our relationship, our 
love for Christ and because we want to share it with other people. I know when, when I got saved, and I, I got saved, <laughs> I was a train wreck when I got saved, okay? So it was, uh, you know, I was one of those people that really didn't deserve to be saved. Um, and, and when I got saved, I wanted to tell other people about God. And so I wanted to, I wanted to share that with other people. And I wanted other people to know the impact that it had in my life. So, so why you do works is because God has been so good to you, and he is so real to you, and he's so alive to you. You want to. And you also want to because you're grateful for what he has done, okay? And because you want other people to experience what you have experienced. When I was a drug user, every time I got in, and I was a drug user for about six years from the time I was 50. It's 50 years ago, by the way. My 50th clean anniversary. I, I quit using drugs 50 years ago. Yeah, I stopped using drugs when I was four. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, but really, it was 50, 50 years ago. But but when I, when I was using drugs and I found a new drug and I was, you know, I was always looking for new thrills, um, I was just a great evangelist for whatever drug I was, I was taking, you know, m much to my shame now because I know some people really, really struggled because of the drugs that I introduced them to and stuff, including my sister, you know, uh, who, who also is clean 50 years as well. Um, but uh, so when Christ changed my life in a way that <laughs> drugs and anything else ever could, I surely wanted to tell other people about it as well because he, he set me free, and I want other people to be set free as well. And there's this old, old, old song by this guy named Don Francisco that says, I got to tell somebody, and it tells a story about, um, I think it was Jairus's, Jairus, and Jairus' daughter was, everybody said, he's dead. She's dead. Don't bother bringing Jesus here. Don't do that. He's, you know, and, uh, and, and Jesus said, and Jesus put him out. <laughs> it's like, cleaned the house. Said, get out of here. And he brought Jairus in there, and he raised his, his, I don't know, five or six-year-old daughter from the dead. And, and then he turned to Jairus and said, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> And, and the song, it's just really great song. It's his, it, it just, you know, he says, don't tell anybody. And then the, the beat goes, ba-bump, ba-bump, ba-bump. You know, this build up to it. And he says, it's like he's realizing, I, I can't do that. And then he says, I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. You know, and it just goes on and on. But it's just like, it's so powerful. It's like, how can you not tell somebody that he has set you free? How can you not tell somebody what he has done in your life? Okay, and, and so we, we see that the, 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 the people of Galatians, the children of Galatians, got away from the, uh, the alive relationship and power that came in their, in their connection with the Lord and with the work that the Lord is doing. So let's go to the next slide here. All right. Uh, legalism of today, and I've already spoken a bunch about it already. It's in the form of activities, prayer, go to church, witness, give more, trying to get God to like you, be proud of you, trying to shake off the shame of, of sin and failure, okay? That's just what happens, you know? It's like, 
when we feel bad, when we do bad, when we are distant from the Lord, we try to do things to make up for it in some kind of way, okay? And, uh, and that's not how it works. It's all about connecting again with the Lord, okay? So here's a couple of scriptures that helps us in that path towards that secret place of God that talks about in Psalm 91. <clears throat> but be still and know that I am God. I'm still, I'm the same God that rescued you. I'm the same God that healed you. I'm the same God that is quick to respond to what your needs are. I'm the same God who is proud of you, supports you, encourages you, believes in you, would give up my son again to die on the cross for you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. I'm wanting to meet you again today, right now, this minute, and touch you and comfort you and heal you and hug you and hold you and, and care for you. Lord, we thank you for your, your great love, your ever-enduring love for us. We thank you, God, you are always working in us to draw us to you, to be connected to you, to be intimate with you, to be loved by you. We're so blessed, Lord. And we thank you that you help us when we get too busy, when we get too caught up in junk in this world, the cares of this world, and all those kinds of things. We thank you that you forgive us and you draw us again back to you, to connect with you, to love you, to live in your righteousness, to live in your holiness. And Lord, we pray today that It'd help us to connect together again with you right now. Let us be your ambassadors. Let your spirit flow out of us to touch others, help others, lift others. You're our source, Lord. Source of joy, source of peace. Where your spirit is, there's liberty, and your spirit lives within us. Let us live in that liberty, we pray. Help us to show, to be, to be aware of where we're not free, and let us walk in that liberty that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.